the modern Republican Party is morphing towards fascism. We in the United States are witnessing the logical culmination of win-at-any-cost politics, and Donald Trump has encouraged it. The 2024 election is turning out to become the election that will determine our democracy or our demise. Welcome to That's Life, I Swear. This podcast is about life's happenings in this world that conjure up such words as intriguing, frightening, life-changing, inspiring, and more. I'm Rick Barron, your host. That said, here's the rest of this story. Let there be no doubt that there is a resounding faction within the GOP now fully embracing open support for an authoritarian state, or in this case, turning the United States into a fascist country. The Republican Party has jumped into this belief as they see their leader, if that's what you want to call him, as the one who can, as they put it, save America. Before diving in deeper into this conversation, one needs to understand why some people are so hyped up about fascism. Here's a definition. Fascism is an ultra-nationalist, authoritarian political philosophy. It combines elements of nationalism, militarism, economic self-sufficiency, and totalitarianism. It opposes communism and socialism, individual rights, and equality, and democratic government. That's a lot of stuff to put in the bucket. Fascism places the importance of the nation above all else. The unity of the national community is prioritized above the rights of individuals. Remember that. This leads to an intense interest in defining which groups belong or do not belong to the national body. In fascist states, violence is accepted, even celebrated, if it serves or advances the national community. For fascists, violence often has a redemptive or purifying quality. Put a finer point on it. All you're going to have is a mafia gang of cronies running the country. I mean, what could go wrong, right? Former President Donald Trump and the GOP have abandoned any pretense of concealing their ruling with an iron fist type of objectives. Trump's rhetoric, labeling opponents as vermin, out to destroy America, and accusing immigrants of poisoning the blood of our nation, receives a troubling positive response from Republicans. The party, instead of distancing itself from the overtones of Hitler, appears to embrace such the course. When Trump was asked why he was referencing Hitler's rhetoric in his speeches, he claims, I know nothing about Hitler. I'm not a student of Hitler, and I have never read his works. Yeah, what's the line he always uses? I never knew him, never met the guy, not sure who he is, yada, yada, yada. And yet, this man who promises to become a dictator on day one, leads the GOP primary by an astonishing 50 points or more. How in the hell can this be? The unsettling conclusion is that there is a significant appetite within the party for such rhetoric, and it doesn't deter a substantial portion of the electorate. Survey results support this assertion. In a recent poll of Iowa voters, 42% were more likely to vote for Trump based on his assertion that immigrants are poisoning the blood of this country. 29% deemed the comments inconsequential, and 28% stated it would make them less likely to vote for him. In a national poll, 42% of Republicans now identify themselves as MAGA conservatives. 
What is frightening about this is that a substantial number of Republicans display an affinity for Trump and want him to continue to escalate the Nazi-like rhetoric. Speaking openly about the Republican Party's authoritarian shift led by Donald Trump is no longer contentious. In 2016, Hillary Clinton faced backlash for categorizing half of Trump's supporters as deplorables with various negative traits. When Biden labeled the extreme MAGA philosophy as semi-fascism this year, it faced minimal opposition. This shift in perception results from evolving views on Trump and the GOP's unabashed abandonment of any semblance of concealing their nationalism ambitions. About half of Republicans hear Trump's rhetoric and think, yes, this is exactly what I want. These are Americans who believe they should maintain perpetual dominance in the social and political order due to their race and or religion. I mean, they harbor resentment toward societal changes that have even marginally leveled the playing field. Trump has promised these voters, I am your redemption, and believe me, they intend to hold them to it. In summary, an overwhelming number of people within the GOP overtly expresses a desire for an authoritarian state. Another 29% are indifferent, as long as it doesn't directly impact them. Oh, I see. If it doesn't bother you, that's okay. Of the remaining 28% who disapprove, Trump's approval rating within the GOP during his presidency indicate that most will still vote for him in November of 2024. Quite frankly, I just don't get it. Critics may point out that only 28% of U.S. voters are registered as Republicans. However, factoring Republican-leaning independents about 17%, and considering that actual swing voters are relatively rare, the best-case scenario reveals that 14% of voters are genuinely dedicated to installing a fascist dictatorship. Historical context warns us that this critical mass is sufficient to plunge a country into turmoil. Milton Mayer, who was an American journalist for the Progressive Magazine, conducted interviews with former low-level members of the Nazi party in post-war Germany. His results suggested that only a million out of 70 million Germans were fanatics or true believers. Now this brings us to the present day, where one political party actively seeks to establish a dictatorship with plans to hold power for a generation or two, purging society of perceived internal threats. Meanwhile, the opposing party, a vaguely self-centered coalition, lacks the strength to bring about efficient change due to constitutional constraints and societal fragmentation. There are those who say, should Trump get re-elected, we can just vote him out in the 2028 elections. Those who think this notion are missing an important fact. If Trump gets in, this guy intends to stay. The dude is not going to go anywhere. That said, he will push very hard to cancel any future presidential elections. Again, think about it. However, the truly disheartening aspect lies ahead. Many people assume that if fascism were to emerge in America, individuals would recognize it and refuse to comply. Wishful thinking. In reality, very few people are directly affected by living in such a country. Life is mostly boring and tolerable for the majority. Most people would claim that if asked to do things they know are wrong, they would refuse to comply because they are Americans who know better. Yet we are already witnessing a failure of this assumption every day in red states. What does this mean? Well, let me give you an example, which is, by the way, already happening. 
Let's explore a typical scenario that unfolds in emergency rooms. A young woman enters 18 weeks into her pregnancy, grappling with a rupture in her amniotic sac and the unfortunate reality of a miscarriage. The harsh truth is that the fetus is beyond salvation, and without immediate intervention, she stands the risk of either bleeding out or falling prey to sepsis. A thorough assessment by a doctor results in a swift diagnosis. However, despite the pressing nature of the situation, the medical profession finds itself paralyzed, unable to act due to the presence of a fleeting heartbeat. The doctor conveys the urgency of the situation to hospital administrators who, in response, evaluate the matter to the general counsel. After careful deliberation, the counsel determines that the potential legal ramifications encompassing both civil and criminal aspects outweigh the advantages of performing what they call a DNC procedure. Surprisingly, this decision is relayed back to the administrators, who instruct a doctor to keep the woman waiting in her car until her condition gets even worse. Only then, in the absence of a fetal heartbeat, might the doctor be granted permission to intervene. Acknowledging the inherent ethical dilemma, the doctor grapples with the profound injustice of the situation. The hospital administrators likely share an awareness of the moral quandary. Tragically, the woman faces a slow and agonizing demise due to blatant neglect. However, the doctor finds himself bound by the directives from the administrators, who in turn are merely following orders from the consul. The consul's decision-making is grounded in a detached calculation, assuming that the state attorney general will not approve a life-of-the-mother exception. Furthermore, the consul perceives less legal risk if the woman meets her end in the hospital parking lot rather than receiving timely medical attention. Unbelievable. Now, in this disheartening narrative, state legislatures and the attorney general emerge as immune to criminal or civil liability for the suffering and death that they indirectly cause. Adding to the frustration, the structure of gerrymandering shields legislators from being held accountable or removed from office. In the end, when the power of the state is brought to bear on people, the vast majority will not do the right thing. When confronted with the reality of an authoritarian state and how it corrupts ordinary people, almost no one emulates the willingness to do the right thing by defying the state. When Trump assumes power and directs the full force of the government against anyone who might resist, the guardrails of individual consciousness will vanish faster than a snowball in hell. With less than a week remaining until the first in the nation Iowa caucuses begin, congressional Republicans are already queuing up to extend their endorsement of Donald Trump. Among them is House Majority Whip Tom Emmer, who recently threw his support behind the former president. Writing on X, the platform formerly known as Twitter, the third-ranking House Republican emphasized the need for Republicans to unite behind their party's clear frontrunner. Well, allow me to refresh everyone's memory about Tom. His endorsement came almost three months after Trump, proudly claiming credit, blocked Emmer's bid for the House Speakership, branding the Minnesota lawmaker as a globalist rhino on social media. This animosity in part likely originated from Emmer's refusal to vote against certifying the 2020 Electoral College results. Whatever the cause, Trump's attacks achieved the desired outcome. Emmer eventually withdrew his name for the position, 
facilitating the successful nomination of Trump loyalist Mike Johnson. Less than 24 hours before Emmer's endorsement, House Majority Leader Steve Calise also declared his backing of Trump. In a statement to Fox News, Scalise asserted, In this race, there is one man who has a proven track record of being able to save our country and get us back on track, Donald Trump. Similar to Emmer, Scalise's bid for the speakership failed to earn Trump's endorsement. Tom and Steve, are you guys really this stupid? On the Senate side, Tom Cotton, an Arkansas Republican, also endorsed Trump. He told Fox News, you know, I look forward to working with him to win back the White House and the Senate so we can help hardworking Americans suffering from Joe Biden's disastrous policies. I don't know, they don't look too bad to me. He becomes the 19th Senate Republican to endorse Trump. In contrast, Trump's primary competitors, Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, have not gathered a single Senate endorsement and have only a handful of House backers between them. Now, one has to ask, are people like Scalise, Emmer, Cotton, and others kissing the ring of Trump so as to avoid being added to his revenge list? Are they that afraid, or could they possibly be that drunk with power, regardless of the circumstances that will ensue with the return of Trump to the White House? If Trump comes back, it's a situation that this country will not survive. What I find so unbelievable is how easily Trump manipulates these people. I mean, they're like limeys. These are people who follow the will of others, especially in a mass movement, and head straight into a situation or circumstance that is dangerous, stupid, or destructive. These limeys that eat up conspiracy theories are so blinded by lies, they don't even see the cliff that they're about to plummet over. The precise timing of this recent surge in endorsements holds significant weight. In an attempt to frame the upcoming primary contest as a practically decided matter, unless there's an unforeseen legal or medical twist, Trump has actively reached out to gain the backing of undecided GOP senators. According to a political report, Trump has applied pressure on some Republicans who are still on the fence, where he is subtly hinting at a potential repercussion for their re-election prospects. I mean, this guy has no shame. For example, Josh Haley, a Missouri Republican facing re-election this year, promptly declared his support after Trump publicly advised him to exercise caution in securing his seat. A comparable warning directed at Ted Cruz has also prompted the Texas Republican to assert that he will only endorse a candidate after the party finalizes its nominee. So what can we learn from this story? What's the takeaway? As we walk into the upcoming 2024 election, I think all of us have to face the realization that 2020 was a test. Now, most of us, we met the cause and we didn't re-elect Trump. But this time, I have to say that this is probably the most serious election we will ever face in this country. And sadly, it might be the last. So we need to understand what we're up against and understand that if we don't take Trump out again, he will take us out along with the United States of America. Well, there you go, my friends. That's life, I swear. For further information regarding the material covered in this episode, I invite you to visit my website, which you can find on either Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts for show notes calling out key pieces of content mentioned and the episode transcript. As always, I thank you for listening and your interest. Be sure to subscribe here or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. 
See you soon.